Bienvenue à Idiacmo. Euh, on est en direct du congrès RESS euh, de l'AHA 2017. Euh, nous sommes avec Zach et Lionel pour discuter de l'ECMO. Welcome to Idiacmo. Welcome to Idiacmo. This is Idiacmo. All right, EDECMO, Zach Shiner, February 2018, and today we're going to talk about the cut down, a different way to approach putting in the cannulas. And we have Alice Hooten as well as Lionel Lamho from Paris who do this in the field. You all know this pre-hospital ECMO. But instead of doing the traditional Seldinger technique with needle over a wire, they actually cut down and then insert the needle just distal to it. You're going to hear all about it, the pluses, the minuses, the limitations, and the advantages to using that today. Before we get there, a couple of announcements. Reanimate 5 is in just uh, three weeks from now. It is sold out. There is a wait list. So, um, yeah, get on that if you'd like. Hopefully for R6, uh, you'll be able to come and join us in San Diego, which is just an amazing time. Lionel is coming out. Uh, from Paris, uh, Dimitrianopoulos coming to R5. We've got a number of people from, from the Alfred with Chris Nixon. Scott Weingart will be there. Zach Kossum, Jim Manning, usual crew. It's going to be amazing. Amy Hackman from USC. Uh, also, I just got back from Zermatt with Lionel for Big Sick 18. It was great, great. Lots of ECMO. Hawk and Kalsen from Karolinska. Lar uh, Magnus Larson talking about trauma and ECMO. And uh, Sam Tisherman, EPR. We'll hopefully get Sam on here in, a, in the next couple months because I want to explain to you the progression of EPR and how it's taking place right now at Shock Trauma out in Maryland. You know, super cooling people for trauma using an ECMO machine. Really, really amazing stuff. All right, so cut down. Let's get into it. Now, this is kind of a visual-spatial concept, right? This is going to be involving a procedure. Ideally, you'd be able to look at the show notes that I'm going to put in there, some of the pictures and videos of, of how to do this. But if you're in your car, no problem. Alice explains this very well. So let's get into it. Alice Hooten, the cut down. We do a, a cut down that is probably different than the one surgeons would do in the OR. We basically do a cut down in in the groin area. It's a horizontal cut down of a few centimeters. We actually just cut through the skin and then do blunt dissection until we visualize the vessels. The objective is obviously to go fast so that we insert cannula fast. Um, but to go fast without too much bleeding and without taking vascular wounds that we would not be able to repair. So that's why we do blunt dissection as much as possible. Um, and then once we visualize the femoral vessels, um, we uh, identify the artery and the vein. It's sort of tricky because uh, pretty often the vein lies just under the artery, so we need to very clearly identify um, both vessels. And then we do a cell digger is insertion of the cannula in the vessels. Okay, so let's let's take this through. You're you're in the field, yes, doing pre-hospital ECMO. Tell us about setting up just the scene of how do you get to the point of even making that first incision. So once we get on the scene, the first step is to get the information on the cardiac arrest case, to get the information on patient's age, um, no flow, low flow, circumstance, circumstances of um, cardiac arrest, 
the therapeutic um, that has been given to this patient, how many shocks has he had, epinephrine and everything that's been done for the patient. And then we try to see uh, if the patient has um, our inclusion criteria for eCPR. So depending on these um, inf- on this information that we have and depending on the signs of life that we have at the time of eCPR insertion. So, you, so the patient meets your inclusion criteria. You're now in the middle of a sidewalk. You're in the middle of a freeway, as we did. Is there steps you need to take to sort of secure the scene? or? Well, th- when we get there, the scene is actually pretty much secured because the mobile ICU is on the scene. Um, so we try to um, make sure people are not watching or filming, which does happen once in a while. But we have uh, the firefighters who are here with us, the, the mobile ICU. Sometimes if we are on the street, um, police is there as well. So they, they take care of securing the scene so that we can focus on the patient and getting organized to do the eCPR insertion in sterile conditions as much as possible. And so, yeah, so it really takes an army of people to sort of make the pre-hospital uh, ECMO possible. Now, would you would you be okay with doing pre-hospital ECMO if you didn't have a firefighter team and a police team setting up barriers and around you? We need... We need to secure the scene clearly, um, but um, we need to keep in mind that most of the time we do we do pre-hospital eCPR on the streets or wherever the patient is. But uh, most of the time, the patient is at home or in an apartment. So doing it outside is um, something we do, but it's actually not the most common. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So now we've we're kind of moving into the realm of of the necessity to do a cut down over percutaneous. Now, Lionel, when he first started, he was using a percutaneous uh, way, but but moved on to the cut down. Can you speak a little bit to just maybe that process? Um, uh, I actually can't really because I've been um, part of the team for two years now, and um, the cut down has been done um, since I got there. And I actually well, wasn't there at the at the initial phase, so maybe. Um, maybe Lionel can help us out here, but, um, I, I've never done, personally, I've never done percutaneous eCPR insertion, and I would not do it because I'm not, I, I, I don't know how to, basically. Um, at the start, we do percutaneous, but, uh, the shoe first case, no issue, no problem. And after we, we have some difficulty sometimes to repair exactly where the venous has the artery. Uh, we have a lot of movement during the cardiac arrest and automatic CPR to do the ultrasound. It move a lot. Uh, and we see uh, so a lot of patients have some anatomic variation, in fact. And a lot of time, the, the vein is under the artery. And when you do, you do in packet nose, it's very hard to go directly to the venous. And with the experience we've seen, uh, sometimes we have to poke many times, and after we have some hemorrhage, and we have hematoma, a large hematoma, and it can be difficult to treat the patient after. The second point, we have to do a repair on the limb. And with opening, is really more easy than with ultrasound when you have two cannula uh, pre, preset inside. This is why we shift for new techniques, the hybrid one. Why we don't choose the classical surgical techniques? 
is because the surgeons go really upper where we are. And where they are, we have very more movement by the CPR. And you need more dissection. And this dissection can be a little bit hard when you are not surgeon. Where we do the hybrid techniques is lower in the scarpa. Where you do a central line every day, and you can dissect very shortly with a finger. That means you have no risk to do bad things. And after we do Seliger under control of the view. And if the vein is under the artery, you can check it very shortly and move a little bit the vessel, and you can poke very shortly. This is why we prefer to do these techniques. And with these techniques, the rate of failure is low and stable. That means you have more consensus to do very nicely the technique. So can, can you speak to your initial use of ultrasound? That was a... a um because I think that's how most of us are doing it. Uh, obviously, there's limitations of ultrasound in the field. And then um, just the frustrations of using that versus the, the cut down. We, for the first part, we do ECPR in hospital. When we use ultrasound, it's just in hospital for patients in ICU with cardiac arrest. But um, we have a problem with time. Because some ultrasound, when it's working, go probably more short quicker than what we're doing today. But for a large part of patients, it's not so easy. And you know, you put your dress on to check where are the vessels, we are not very sure. You take your time a little bit to be sure. After you have to refine the vessel, after we prepare to poke, uh, sometimes and at the total time. For all patients, for our services, I think it's longer than the technique we use. Excellent. All right, Alice, um, can you take me through? So you, you made the initial incision, and, and you learned this technique two years ago. Mm-hmm. So take us through some of the, the foils. What are the, the ways that I'm going to screw this up? Um, probably um, using scissors too much. Um, the, the people we train tried to initially tried to dissect with scissors, and that's actually the best way to do vascular wounds. Um, so that's why, um, personally, I actually really do only blunt dissection, except when you reach the um, aponeurosis. <laughs> aponeurosis. Yeah. Um, that's probably one of the only times where I would use scissors to cut through that and then blunt dissect, because that the, the cut down, doing the cut down... Uh, it, the, the really, um, I think one of the big risks is doing vascular wounds. And if you do that, um, basically things are going to get much more complicated and bleedy. Okay. So we've got the scene. You, you've got it secured. You, um, you sterilely draped the patient. Yes. And we dress sterilely and as well. And the, the physician is dressed. Everyone is dressed sterilely. Um, not everyone. Just the two people um, concerned with the implementation, which would be the ECMO doctor, and um, someone who helps us out um, um, holding retractors. So there are only two people dressed um, in a sterile gown. Okay. And then the incision is made where? The incision is made um, on the groin, a few centimeters below below the actual groin, groin so that we're in the scarpa. Um, so, and um, we do a horizontal incision, um, whereas I think most surgeons would do a vertical 
uh, incision. Uh, so we do a horizontal incision and have the person helping us hold the retractors while we do the blunt dissection. I think one of the things that we always run into semantic differences on is whether we're saying two centimeters south of the inguinal crease or of the inguinal ligament. We're, we're just for an idea for people there, do we have an idea? So we do the incision two centimeters below the inguinal crease horizontally. Okay. So horizontally, you now make a, how big of the incision? How many centimeters? Are um, probably um, five centimeters long. So fairly uh, substantial incision. You then use your next tool that you pu pull up in your hand is your what? Um, after you make the incision. After we make the incision, it's blunt dissection. Okay. When we reach the uh, ponerosis, um, then you can probably use scissors to cut through that and then blunt dissect again uh, until you actually visual visualize the vessels. And as Lionel said earlier, the vein can very often be just below the artery, but the, the artery is, uh, you can actually make the difference between the two vessels pretty easily. Um, the artery is um, more white, whitish, with vasovasorum, on the outer, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you can you can see them, um, whereas the vein, which is um, it's much more collapsible and it's blue and more thin than the artery. Okay, so you you make the incision. You take your fingers, you stick them in there, you pull. Yes. You start spreading. Yes. And then you make an incision with, through the aponeurosis. That is with like a metzenbaum or what kind of what are you using? to incise through the aponeurosis? Just, uh, yeah, scissors, um, maximum scissors, okay. I guess. To, so you just really just make a tiny incision there and then blunt dissect after that. Is there any precautions that we should make at that point? Because that seems like an area where we could potentially injure something. If, you, if you're doing blunt dissection, you can't really injure anything. Okay. And then what about doing spreading using metzenbaums? Is that a technique? You can. The thing is, you're trying to go fast. You've got the mechanical um, CPR going on. So you're, every time you use the scissors, the risk is that you close them when you're trying to opening them or whatever, and that's when you're going to do a vascular wound. Oh, okay. So that's a good take-home. So even though I'm bluntly dissecting, I have to close the scissors at some point, and since I'm going fast, I'm going to invariably have some tissue left in there and exactly. then Exactly. So that's something. why it's, it's much better to dissect everything you can with your fingers. Okay. So then I get down to the vessels. I separate. Do you, at the vessels, identification, vasovasorum, um, whitish and less collapsible. Okay. At the level of the vessels, do you take efforts to separate the vessels? Not really. If you can clearly see um, the artery from the vein um, and where you're actually going to poke and insert the cannula, you don't have to technically separate the two vessels. Okay. Any, any advantage of using vessel uh, loops or or stitches to keep track of your vessels? No, not really. Okay. Um, if you're sure, if you've identified the vessels clearly, um, and you you can see exactly where you, where you're going to poke the vessel, um, you don't really need to use any lac or anything else. Um, you will, for some reason, if things go wrong, um, need lac or everything you can use to sort of control the bleed that you've made. Okay. Now, two of the foils that I see, at least in my limited experience with this, is identification of the bifurcation of the, the deep femoral artery versus the superficial femoral artery and the saphenous vein. 
uh, how do we kind of like use those as we're going down as landmarks or, or make sure that we don't cannulate those vessels? Where, depending on the location where you do the incision, um, if you do it where we actually do it, we are, we're on the, at the right spot where you can only, um, cannulate the femoral artery, um, and you can't actually make a mistake, um, between the, the superficial and the, and the deep femoral artery. So we're, we're actually right where you need to be, um, and you can't really, um, make a mistake. Um, and same for the vein, actually. I mean, I've never encountered any uh, difficulties for that. Okay. So, but this is this is with experience, and uh, and one of the things that I would say is that not only is it important that you go how far distally and and proximally on the leg, but how far medial and lateral you go is important. And uh, it's a little bit more difficult to quantify how medial you go uh, on the leg. Do you have any tricks for that? Not really. I mean, if you do have ultrasound, um, you can always, before you dress um, sterile and everything, you can always check that you're at the right place. Um, so if you do have ultrasound, um, have a look before you do the incision. Um, otherwise, um, uh, I really don't see how you can um, not be at the right spot. It's, um you do have to check before you do the incision. So yeah, I'll just, I think that. I'll just speak to the idea that as long as you're, you may go initially too distal on the leg, and if you do, then one of the foils will be that you accidentally cannulate one of the bifurcations of the femoral artery, and so you got to be careful of that. The other thing that you should think about is that when you're that these vessels, if you haven't done it, they're sometimes deeper than you think. And so some of these little superficial veins might confuse you uh, to where the, the real deep vessels are. Okay, so now we've identified our vessels. We're at the, the common femoral. We're at the, the femoral vein. Now, what do I do? Um, then what we're going to do is we're going to poke the vessel. What we do to stabilize the cannula is that we're going to poke through the skin into the vessel. So we're going to poke through the skin um, a few centimeter, centimeters um, distal from the incision into the vessel so that the cannula will go through the skin before going through the vessel. I don't know if that's clear enough. Sure. So distal to your incision, you percutaneously put an 18-gauge needle through the skin exactly, so that you have something holding that needle you then, with your eyes, see that needle go into the vessel. Exactly. And we firmly hold the needle once we are in the vessel. Because with all the movement going on, including the cardiac massage, it's very easy um, to let hold of that. And then that's where you're going to mess up and eventually to go do venovenous um, ECMO. Because since the vessels are so close to each other, um, you really need to make sure you hold that needle so that it doesn't move before you do the Seldinger insertion of the cannula. So here's some huge advantages to the cut down. You get to do one stick, right? The mm -hmm. bleeding complications we know with multiple sticks are, are not inconsequential. I mean, they're substantial. And then the second thing is that you can be sure that you are actually in the right vessels, that you didn't accidentally, uh, you know, back wall, go through the back of the wall, go into the next vessel as you were manipulating, and then actually have the patient on either AA or VV ECMO. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so you've got your needle in, you put a wire in. Put the wire in. Okay, what wire are you using? It's a soft tip um, wire. Um, so for the, for the Venus um, cannula, we'll use a long wire that's 150 centimeters long. Whereas for the artery, we have a shorter wire that's only 100, meters, 100 centimeters long. Sorry. Yeah, so there are advantages to having the shortest wire that you need simply because you're in the street. I mean, in the hospital, this is the true as well. You actually have less space in the hospital. Mm-hmm. But you guys use a J-tipped floppy wire, no Amplat super stuff. No. Okay. Right. So we usually tend to put the, fem- the vein in first the venous cannula first. So we would ask the person um, giving us the, the equipment, usually our paramedic, um, we ask for the 150 um, centimeter wire um, so that we put the wire in. And then we also ask for the, the cannula, the size depending on the vessels we've actually visualized. So we usually use femoral uh, venous, sorry, cannula uh, around um, 21 or 23 French. Um, so we put the vein, the vein in first and then the artery. And tell me why you choose the vein first. Because I have a design. Because <laughs> the famous Lamo said. Exactly. The famous Lamo taught me that. So that's what I do. No, we, we put the vein in first because, um, it's usually below the artery. Um, and it's more collapsible. So if we put the, the artery in first, um, it, it it actually presses on the vein, and then we have more difficulties putting the wire in the vein. That's a really good take-home. And I, one of the things for me that's, that you, you just can't really see on ultrasound, you can only see it when you open up a patient, and you see that, that you do have some advantages to doing the vein first, although we usually treat teach percutaneously to do the artery first simply because it's so hard. <laughs> uh, there are definitely some advantages to doing the vein first. Okay, so now we've got the cannulas in the vein. We then do the same thing on the arterial side. How many dilators are you using for this technique um, on average or just guess? We actually use one or two dilators um, for the vein. Um, for the artery, um, we actually try to dilate as little as possible um, so that it doesn't bleed too much. So these are. this is one of the advantages also of a cut down is that you yeah. can get through the skin and then you have your catheter, which can go directly into the vessel without having to go through all this, this soft Dilating. tissue that, that maybe is complicating your insertion technique. Exactly. We, we sometimes need just to cut um, the skin where the cannula is going to go in just um, a half a centimeter to make sure it doesn't kink the, the wire when we're putting it in. And one of the advantages is the angle of the uh, needle, because when we do opening and we go through the, the skin, you go on the vessel and 45 degrees. When you are in percutaneous, we don't know always what is the angle we have with the vessel. And sometimes we are more than 19 degrees. And when you would like to go with a guard wider, it's really complex. And when we are in 45, you are in the flow of the vessel. Right, you have much better visualization about how the angle of the artery and the vein are going and what you need to do to try and mimic that. Okay, so then the other, the last big advantage that I see of cut down is that 
during your insertion, you can also do your percutaneous catheter. Tell us how you do that. Exactly. So what we do, what we do is that once the two cannula are in, um, we connect the cannula to the pump so that we um, put the patient under eCPR as soon as possible. Um, and once the pump is flowing, we then go on to putting the reperfusion catheter. So what we do at that point is that we actually use the same technique going through the skin, uh, but then we don't we poke um, a few centimeters proximal. higher proximal of the incision through the skin into the artery, just distal of the cannula of the ar- arterial cannula. And how? What percentage of your patients do you do this for? Hundred percent. A hundred percent. Distal limb ischemia is treated immediately on all patients. Exactly. Okay. All right, and then same as kind of other techniques, we hook it up to the pump. We do water seal, turn on the pump, and then the complexity of mobilizing a patient on a freeway into a ambulance, taking them all over Paris to get their cath, and then finally to the the. Necare Institution for Definitive Therapy. But we do close the cut down first before we mobilize the patient. Good point. <laughs> so they close the cut down, sutures are in, and then uh, any other, for any additional complications that you know of from from a vascular surgeon standpoint when they're taking the cannulas out? Yeah, just to make sure everyone's clear about this, we as emergency physicians or intensivists are capable of putting a patient under ECPR using the surgical technique. But um, taking a patient off ECPR is always done by surgeons um, because um, most of the time um, you do need to do vascular uh, repair so that, and they do that, we do that in an operating room under sterile conditions. So that's always done by the surgeons. I'm not aware of so many complications um, due to the fact that um, insertion has been done to, by emergency physicians. And I think um, it, it maybe takes them longer or they do sometimes have to get rid of some clotting, but I've not heard of any unsatisfied uh, surgeons due to the, the, the insertion we, we made. Okay, and then just sort of one final statement here. We're at AHA. And Alice just presented the complication or the failure rate of this technique being 6%, incredibly low, incredibly low. So any just comments on, on, on how successful the percutaneous approach, or sorry, the cut down approach is? Um, as I said earlier, I mean, um, I would not, I personally would not go on doing a percutaneous, um, insertion because I've never done one and I've, I haven't learned to do that. Um, basically, you should really do uh, what you know how to do. Um, indeed, the failure rates are pretty low, and I would not encourage doing percutaneous because I find it so uh, and so easy to see the vessels and to see exactly what you're doing um, that uh, um, I wouldn't do any percutaneous insertion. But I guess if you know how to do percutaneous, don't go doing a cut down um, for the first time on a patient like that because that's probably going to be a, a big failure. But yeah. and do what do what you know how to do. One, yeah. it's one of part of the message. We need to be trained. You do what you have to be trained to do, and what experience you have. One of the low rate we have of failure is probably because we have a good training, and the team is small, and we do a lot of CPR. 
we have an experience to the result. Perfect. I think you know one of the things moving forward in the world is that most of the world is still doing percutaneous. Your data is very impressive. There has been obviously some data worldwide where the insertion times percutaneously have been very low, uh, you know, as low as six minutes, even documented in some trials. Now, most, I don't know of anyone that's doing it that fast outside of uh, the Minnesota group, but, uh, but your data is faster than ours. You're getting these done an average of just over 20 minutes, which is, which is great. So that's, that's one of the things that the, you know, the next 10 years we'll try and figure out is what is the best approach, percutaneous or cut down. Okay, so let's wrap things up. Today we talked about the cut down version, which really this is a cut down in order to visualize the vessels and then we percutaneously put a needle just distal to it so that we can see the needle go right into that vessel. Lionel told us some of the advantage of this, how you have, we have anatomic variation in many individuals, and sometimes the ultrasound doesn't really give us the full picture. We talked about how you can screw this up by using scissors as you're bluntly dissecting, accidentally closing them when you think you're opening them. Using your fingers can be beneficial. You got to cut through the aponeurosis, though. And we know that the, the placement, the geographic location of where you start your incision is important. Two centimeters below the inguinal crease, you want to try and do this right over the top of those vessels. This might be one of the advantages for the ultrasound. Horizontal incision, they usually do about five centimeter incision. And we also went on and talked about some of the, the failure rates, some of the literature. We showed that their, that their failure rate is about 6%. That's incredibly good. We talked about how they use floppy J-tip wires. And they use smaller ones for the artery. This is not too different from other places. And they tend to use two dilators for the veins and as minimal as possible in the artery. That can be an advantage as well when you're talking about using the cut-down effect. So like we said, this is something that's uh, taking place in Paris. We have done it at Sharp. But only the future will tell what's the best of these options. All right, from ED ECMO, Zach Shiner, Joe Belezzo, and Scott Weingart signing off. <laughs>